Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you could be with us today for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today as usual. And Jim, let's start with the good, and let's talk about a Senate race that's not getting a ton of attention. We talk a lot about Arizona. We talk a lot about Georgia. We'll be talking a lot about Pennsylvania, I'm sure, and some others as time goes on. But, uh, you know, the Republicans don't have a ton of pickup opportunities, but one that seems to be getting brighter and brighter is Nevada. And it's still a a tight race, but uh, I think we've got some indicators that suggest it could be a good one for Republicans. Uh, There's a new poll out from Suffolk University and the Reno Gazette Journal, which shows that former Nevada Attorney General and current Republican Senate candidate Adam Laxalt is leading incumbent Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masto 43% to 40%. So, I mean, that's tight. It's probably within the margin of error. That part doesn't interest me as much as the fact that the incumbent senator is only at 40 percent. That's very much uh, bad news for her and good news potentially for the Republicans. And uh, the poll also found that 49 percent of Nevadans believe the state is on the wrong track. Only 40 percent say it's on the right track, which is a lot tighter, actually, than the uh, the national surveys on that. Uh, Biden holds a 35 percent approval rating in the state. So that's uh, clearly factoring in as well. Uh, Laxalt would still need to um, win his primary. He's up against Sam Brown, who has a one point lead over Masto. Uh, 40 to 39 percent. So uh, Masto's got a lot of work to do in a really bad environment for Democrats. So uh, maybe it's time to start popping the popcorn on Nevada. It is. And longtime listeners, and I mean really longtime <laughs> listeners of this podcast who can think back to 2010, will remember the origin of our recurring slogan, way to go, Nevada, way to go, referring to the re-election of Harry Reid in what looked like a tough re-election bid in the twenty-eight, the 2010 midterms, um, you and I have many reasons to dislike Harry Reid. Going back to the, <laughs> well, it worked, didn't it, when he lied about Romney not paying any taxes. Could the Nevada Republican Party have done a little better than nominating Sharon Angle? Yeah, she was kind of on the wacky side. Uh, but all in all, uh, Harry Reid was just this absolutely moral abomination who made American politics worse and uh, we were really looking forward to his defeat, and it just couldn't quite happen. The unions were too strong. But Nevada is one of the more plausible, you can make a plausible argument that it is, you know, one of the swing states in this country. And a couple, uh, not so long ago, I noticed that uh, Josh Kraschauer, hope I'm not mangling his name, who writes for National Journal, he writes, his name of his column is Against the Grain, and he really is willing to challenge a all-too-comfortable Democratic narratives very often. And this last one, or maybe this previous column was, Nevada, the epicenter of the midterms. And he points out that based on polling, based on the trends, Republicans could score a clean sweep in the state this year, which would be a sign of a national Republican tsunami. Now, the subhead also, though, Greg will remind us, but with GOP candidates pulled to the right, nothing is inevitable, giving us all traumatic flashbacks to 2010. So, Nevadans, look, you're an unusual state, not just because of the presence of Las Vegas and legalized gambling, This is a state that has a lot of transplants. This is a state that is uh, very much a boom and bust state. You know, in in the good times, you see a lot of rapid growth, a lot of rapid expansion. Uh, The housing bubble, when it burst, hit Nevada, I think, harder than any other uh, place in the country. 
Uh, a lot of small businessmen, a lot of Latinos uh, who, who have grown in there who generally own their own small businesses, construction, things like that. So they are economic voters. And when the economy is bad and when inflation is bad, uh, this is where you tend to see uh, you know, a really strong backlash. Does this mean uh, Republicans are guaranteed to win? No, absolutely. But it's an enormous opportunity. And, you know, just if you're in Nevada and you enjoy this podcast, I'm glad you do. If our phrase, way to go, Nevada, way to go, has ever frustrated you, this is the opportunity for redemption, Nevadans. You know, I, look, I understand that, you know, not every Republican nominee is going to be perfect, is going to be strong. But if you, you know, if you want to keep getting what you're getting, hey, go reelect those Democrats. If you don't want to reelect, and you want to send a message to people in Washington, you have to vote against incumbents. Let's see what can happen. These polling numbers are pretty encouraging. Yeah, Nevada voters, just think if you help to elect a Republican majority and then Biden uh, agenda items that we don't like uh, get get killed on the way to uh, passage and so they don't become law, then we can say it without any irony at all. Way to go, Nevada. Way to go. So uh, Indeed, it'll be an authentic way to go. Yes, exactly right. All right, let's talk about our uh, first great sponsor for the day, and that is Outer. Look, 93% of your life is spent indoors, and over the past two years, that number's probably even higher. But so many of our favorite moments are outdoors, of course, the fresh air, the feeling of peace. And since warmer weather is either here or almost here, depending on where you live, let's make the most of it with Outer, the new outdoor furniture company with purposely designed furniture to get you outdoors more. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials, and it is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort. And it's all less than you'd pay at a big box store for something that won't last. Outer is better in every single way because they've spent years perfecting their outdoor products. From stunning modular designs to life-proof material with a nano coating that is water, mold, bleach, and stain resistant, they've got more than a thousand neighborhood showrooms across the country, and the patented built-in outer shell cover protects your furniture from rain and dew. Absolutely right. And so if you go online, you can see the rave reviews uh, for Outer. You can also go to their uh, easy-to-navigate website to see all the different options that they have. And like we said earlier, showrooms in a lot of different neighborhoods around the country. So you can actually go look at them for yourself. You don't have to just do it online if you live close to one of those showrooms. So uh, it's really beautiful furniture. You just have to go see it. Go to liveouter.com martini to see it for yourself. Outer Furniture comes with best-in-class warranties like 10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. See the difference at liveouter.com martini. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping. This is Outer's best offer anywhere, and it's only available to podcast listeners and only for a limited time. So get $300 off and free shipping at liveouter.com slash martini, Live outer.com slash martini terms and conditions apply all right jim as we mentioned at the top of 
Tuesday's podcast, uh, we didn't have a ton of details on the Brooklyn subway shooting. Uh, as of now, we still, I believe, don't have any fatalities. And obviously, we're very grateful for that. And we hope that continues and everyone makes a, uh, a quick recovery. Uh, we still don't have a suspect in custody, but we at least have a suspect. And it's Frank James, not the old Wild West bank robber from the uh, 1880s. But this is a guy who was from the West, uh, New Mexico, and had been on the FBI watch list for a number of years. And then around 2019, he was no longer on the FBI watch list. He recently moved to Philadelphia, had a pretty long track record on YouTube of insane uh, videos of his rantings and so forth. And uh, authorities are pretty clear that he's the guy who perpetrated this. And now, obviously, the manhunt is on. So, Jim, sadly, um, this is not the first time we've talked about this in relation to the FBI. That's how Disney CTU got started after the Orlando shooting. We've talked about it, the FBI not uh, digging in too deeply to warnings about the Tsarnaev brothers uh, prior to the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, the FBI, of course, just last week got embarrassed by not guilty verdicts because the jury believed that the FBI entrapped people into the uh, alleged Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. And now we've got another example of the FBI dropping the ball here. Yeah, and I'm willing to give the FBI a certain amount of sympathy in the recognition that not every person who has creates YouTube channels and, and says crazy things or talks about conspiracies or, you know, rages against this group or that group. Not every one of them is an aspiring mass shooter. But it probably does. You know, it's the sort of thing that probably should get people to sit up and take notice. And, you know, sorting out the garden variety nut job who's never going to hurt anybody who just vents in this way from the people who are genuinely dangerous. Yeah, it's it is an inexact science and it's really difficult and we don't want them overreacting to extreme rhetoric there is a first amendment you can go up and you can say whatever the hell you want on the internet but you know greg it is as you mentioned part of this really deeply intensely frustrating pattern where when somebody goes off and does something like this you almost never hear yeah there were no signs whatsoever everyone thought he was a perfectly normal human being he was friendly and kind to everyone and there was no indication at all usually after it happens we're like oh wow yeah you look at his, his you know his social media posts this guy was always saying he was going to kill people all of a sudden, there are where you know, and the, I thought the lesson of various things like Virginia Tech and uh, the Gabby Gifford shooting was that you don't go to university officials, you don't go to employers, the HR department can't do, help you if somebody's got a gun. No, the only person who can actually deal with somebody you determine who you believe is a threat to others is law enforcement. They are the only people who have the authority to arrest someone. They are the only people who have the authority, with a judge's order under the states that have red flag laws, to take away somebody's firearms. Um, and again, as much as you might say, ah, this guy's a wacko, you know, all the preparation for these steps, the fireworks, the use of the smoke bombs, stuff like this really suggest, like, he may be crazy, but he was not, cre he wasn't so crazy, he couldn't plan out these steps to a, what was, you know, already a terrifying experience for many people, and could have been much, much worse, at least as a, you know, based on what we're hearing right now. So, extraordinarily frustrating pattern. I realize law enforcement has a, a you know, high, a tall order here. But when you do see things like the, you know, case that apparently appeared to be entrapment up in Michigan, you really do wonder if the FBI does have the right priorities and they're putting enough out, you know, resources into the right places when situations like this happen again and again and again. Now, excellent point. And of course, as you pointed out, um, the FBI has immense resources, 
they're still limited to a certain extent. And so uh, you can't expect them to necessarily get every case right and, and to keep tabs on every single person that they've gotten a tip about. But when this person's been on the radar, you, you kind of wonder why after all those years that they weren't on the radar anymore. And Jim, here's another thing. We talked about this in a, obviously a different context earlier in the week with the persistent sadness of the teens. There's a lot of people who I think are in a worse place mentally after the pandemic and everything we've been through the past three years than they were before. And I don't think we were in a great shape with that already. And so with potentially more people like this, the FBI's really got to up its game. Yeah, actually, I was debating how much I want to get into that because I realized it's it's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It is not the Federal Bureau of Mental Health or right. Emotional Health or things like that. You can't expect them to, to tackle that. But I think we can ask federal leaders, state leaders, local leaders, okay, well, what are you doing on this front? What, you know, if we have a lot of people who are mentally challenged, emotionally challenged in one way or another, what, you know, programs, what, what do we have in place to make sure their situation isn't worse? Is anybody checking in on these people? You notice most of the, 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 old, the old joke or the old stereotype was, you know, he's a quiet type, you know, didn't talk to people very much. Um, you know, the idea, generally these people are isolated. Generally these people are alone. They don't have anyone to say to them, hey, it's not that bad, or no, it's not the Jews controlling you, or no, it's not, uh, you know, white people who are all conspiring to eat, you know, uh, all, you know all that kind of stuff, all, all the crazy conspiracy stuff. Generally, never one of these people say, oh no, they, they had a wonderful, supportive network of friends and relatives and neighbors and people who checked in on them and they were fine. No, you know, generally, if these people have been isolated for a very long time, disconnected, and that's why they end up becoming consumed by their paranoia and demons. So, look, that's that's part of the answer. And I realize that's a that's a tall order, and government can't do it all by itself. This is what we have these Berkian little platoons for. This is what your your churches are for, your neighborhood groups, all these little you know private non-government community organizations designed to make people feel like they've got other people who care about them and who don't want to see them get consumed by their demons and such. So. Um, anyway, it's a tall order, and I realize not all of this can be put on the FBI, but it is just so excruciating when we see this system fail time and time again. No, you're exactly right. We don't want the government evaluating everybody's mental health, and they're going to have uh, you know red flag laws all over the place and that kind of thing. Uh, that, that could be a, a big-time erosion of freedom right there. But when these Berkian platoons, like you mentioned, whether it's uh, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a pastor, whoever it is, uh, flags them for law enforcement, then uh, it's up to whether it's local, state, uh, or the feds uh, to, to properly appraise this. And um, apparently that's not getting done as well as it needs to get done. All right. On to our next wonderful sponsor. And that is, of course, my pillow and their fantastic deal on the six-piece towel sets. Just getting out of the shower today, I'm thinking, man, I really do love this towel. It's thick, it's soft, it's fluffy, and it gets me dry super quick. I'm going to have to toss it in the laundry basket pretty quick, though, and then I'm going to have a different towel for a little bit. So I'll be really excited when it comes back. But uh, nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel when you step out of the shower. And the fantastic deal right now, the towel's regularly $109.99, now only $39.99 a set. At this point, dear listeners, you should know where the cotton used in this towel is grown. Yes, that's right here in the United States. And other towels might feel good, but they don't really absorb very well. Or maybe they absorb well, but they don't feel good on your skin. They've got that lotiony feel. Well, every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. Every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. 
They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, get the MyPillow six-piece towel set, regularly $109.99 for only $39.99 with the promo code MARTINI. Visit MyPillow.com slash MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and so much more. Get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $39.99 today at MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com slash martini. All right, Jim. One of my daughters is uh, learning some of the principles of math right now, and one of them is that, you know, A plus zero equals A. When it comes to CNN Plus, the new digital premium outlet, <laughs> their numbers are not good either. Uh, they are now pl- making plans to, I guess, uh, kind of scale back uh, what they thought was going to be this huge boom for the CNN brand. And I'm just not sure why they ever thought that. But here's the story from CNBC. Fewer than 10,000 people are using CNN Plus on a daily basis, two weeks into its existence, according to people familiar with the matter. The people spoke with CNBC on the condition of anonymity in order to discuss non-public data. CNN Plus launched on March 29th. The subscription streaming service, which charges $5.99 a month or $59.99 annually, only became available on Roku on Monday and still is not on Android TV. Still, the paltry audience cast doubt on the future of the application, following the recently completed combination of Discovery and Warner Media into Warner Brothers Discovery. To put that daily user number in perspective, CNN's cable network suffered a sharp decline in viewership last year, but still rang up an average, boy, that's optimistic phrasing, but still rang up an average of 773,000 total viewers a day. A CNN spokesperson says, we continue to be happy with the launch and its progress after only two weeks. But you don't usually scale back uh, significantly, Jim, if you're super, super happy with your launch. And they brought in some big names, Chris Wallace, most notably, uh, Casey Hunt came over from NBC and so forth. And so, Jim, my theory here is nobody's watching their free stuff. So I don't know why they thought people would pay for more of it. But uh, what do you make of this ill-advised scheme here? Greg, a couple of my colleagues at National Review have uh, weighed in on this with a great deal of incisive analysis and yes more than a dollop of neener 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 um (laughs) we all have times where cnn has frustrated us angered us or disappointed us um and so you know the idea of this flopping a lot of people could have considered this i i I will try to keep my comments to less than an hour but i've been watching this (laughs) with fascination kind of like watching a slow motion car wreck and kind of you know, baffled by this is one of those proposals that like what was it quibi or quibbo this idea streaming service that was only going to limit everything to like less than nine minutes or something uh it seems like a self-evidently terrible idea that that everyone should have recognized was not going to work and the first thing is so why do you have a, a streaming service if you're going to have a streaming service it had better have stuff that nobody else has uh, if you've got Netflix, Netflix was around, it used to be that, you know, they would send you DVDs in the mail. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this happened to everyone else, but it would always get broken in the mail. So you'd have <laughs> to send it back broken. And all that. But once Netflix, like what made, what put Netflix on the map? Well, your, your answers may vary, but I would say Stranger Things, right? This, this show, it was, by the way, one of my favorites, really, really good. 
um, high quality and different from everything else that's on television. And people were saying, oh, you, I watch, love this show. You got to get Netflix, right? That, they, it was something unique. You look at Hulu, you look at Amazon Prime, they've all got something you can't find on someone else. And oh, by the way, uh, you know, so then, you know, Disney chooses to launch Disney Plus and you notice uh that you know it's got a very clear brand disney is it's mostly for kids although they're starting to put slightly more adult stuff they have the marvel shows that used to be on netflix and that has slightly more grown-up themes and stuff like that but if you're going to get people to pay extra separate from what they're paying from cable or for other entertainment and stuff you'd better have something really awesome i.e the mandalorian right you got to have something oh well here's a live action star wars television show you want to watch this you, know, you want a baby yoda kids you know like that's your you got to have something you know, i'm going to pay for this Oh, by the way, you know, Disney has the Disney Channel. I think they have Disney Plus, too. And people have noticed that there's less good stuff going to those free channels and more of their good stuff that Disney produces are going on to Disney Plus. So if you have an existing television format, like I noticed that Hulu partners with a lot of ABC shows and some of the uh, FX shows, right? So the idea is if, you're, if you already are an entertainment company, you already have a way of bringing your product to an audience. Does it make sense to launch a streaming service? Well, if it's the same old stuff, nobody's going to pay for the streaming service. You have to have something new and different. And the other thing is, so if you're CNN, you've already got CNN, you've already got CNN International, is headline news is now, they have some other name for it now, don't they, right? Yeah, Forensic Files is pretty much Forensic Files, it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's all true crime. It's all small town, yeah. uh, white girl wandered off to the woods, got killed shows. Okay. I, Mickey keeps me updated on, updated on all of that. Um <laughs> The you, you they've CNN's already got this, and you and I have talked about when there's some sort of big international news like Russia invading Ukraine. That is when CNN shakes off the idiocy of the well, Chris Cuomo is gone, but he was you know of the Don Lemons, all of the stuff that drives us crazy, these stupid rock'em sock'em robots of, of partisan debates. Yes, and I say this as somebody who was on CNN and CNN International every now and then, but it's been a long time since that happened. I'm still here, CNN producers. Anyway, um, and, and it was they get into like, hey, here's what's happening on the ground in Ukraine, or here's what's happening on the ground in Kabul and Afghanistan. That stuff's awesome. That stuff is you know you can't replace it. Sky News on Fox is pretty good, but that was CNN's bread and butter. You know, somebody once described CNN as fire alarm television. That is when we want CNN. That is what CNN does best. That is their brand identity. That is what people think of when they think positively of CNN, right? That's them at their, you know, give me that. Um, and that's the sort of, but here's the, it's tough to create a streaming service that's separate from that. What What's CNN stream? We're going to give you the really good news on our premium subscription service. We're going to put all the bad news on, on the regular, you know, uh, cable news. It, it just does, it's, it, it was this weird question. Like, what were you going to put there that people were going to pay for that was going to be better than 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 the regular stuff, and then they now clearly announced one of the the big names they were going to make as the centerpiece was uh, Mike Wallace. I'm sorry, Chris Wallace. You know, <laughs> it's probably a good brand identity when people are still mixing you up with your father. <laughs> now I know there are probably some listeners out there who can't stand Chris Wallace and who uh, you think of him. Oh, I was really angry about the way he moderated that debate between Trump and Biden. I don't have nearly as much of an axe to grind with him. In fact, I like him a bunch. I think he particularly, if you look at his work, body of work at Fox News Sunday, he was always a good, tough, prepared interviewer. And in fact, the moment he signed with CNN, I was like, why are they putting him on CNN Plus? He would make a really great primetime anchor or the guy, you know, Jake Tapper seems to be enjoying what he's doing on, state, uh, on their Sunday show. But this is what, you know, uh, 
Wallace does well, put him in a situation where he, you know, hosts these really tough interviews. Um, he is the, I think the, probably the best successor to the mantle of Tim Russer. Um, that is, you know, that has not really been it. And oh, by the way, the guests he's been getting have been terrible. And apparently, according to various other reports at places like CNBC, Chris Wallace is absolutely miserable. Uh, oh, by the way, CNBC says that they're basically having about 10,000 daily users a day now. That's terrible. That's, you know, yeah, that's not good. Um, that's a modest corner post if you're going to get a sense of our, our traffic numbers. Um, actually, lay up a very modest corner post now that I think about it. Uh, and so apparently there's a claim Chris Wallace is having daily breakdowns and the miserable launch of CNN Plus. He wants a CNN show or he's threatened to walk and he's having staffers count how many times a day his promo is playing. I don't know if that's the case. I think he's got every good reason to be very upset that he left a you know very good perch at Fox News to go over to CNN and then CNN basically sent him off to sail on the Titanic. Uh, <laughs> CNN Plus looks like a terrible disaster. I'd like to think they'll put him somewhere on the regular CNN network and they'll recognize, okay, there really isn't a good spot for a premium for a, uh, a a streaming news service unless that streaming news service is going to give you something that is only both different and significantly better than what you can get from the regular service. And at this point, I don't think CNN has figured that out. I, I actually I'd really like to see them succeed. I'd like to see CNN become a better news network than it has been in the recent past. In the past, in certain cases, I think you can argue they have addition by subtraction by doing things like getting rid of Chris Cuomo. But all in all, uh, still a very long way to go. So what you're saying is they need to put Don Lemon wall to wall on the free thing. So everything <laughs> would be better than that. And they could put that on CNN Plus. I don't know if it'll work, but I, I understand the strategy. Uh, you know, you made me kind of nostalgic for CNN headline news. Uh, younger people probably don't remember that. Uh, but yeah. remember, if because back then, you know, when we were growing up, you didn't have the internet. And it was the best place to get, like, up-to-date sports scores. And so, because 20 minutes after the hour, they'd come on with their two- or three-minute sports wrap-up and whip through the scores. And you had, that are all right, CNN headline sports. And... Uh, oh, yeah, news on there for the first 15 minutes, business, Hollywood stuff. It was great. It was a great 30-minute encapsulation of the news, and now it's uh, pretty much all true crime, which is okay, but it's not the same. Yeah, I, I, I was afraid you're, you're making that observation, and I, I ran across something um, that talked about – it made reference to SportsCenter. Maybe it's the return to baseball season. And, the, you know, people forget – Keith Olbermann, who, as we all know, is, is a raving lunatic, <laughs> a miserable human being, and the worst person in the world and all that – Keith Olbermann, back when he was at ESPN in the late 90s, alongside Dan Patrick, usually on the 11 o'clock Sports Center, he was hilarious and he was delightful yes. and he was smart and he was, in, he, you know, for all of his crazy politics, the guy knows sports and he loves sports and they made, here's what happened in the sports world today, cool and fun and unpredictable and all that kind of stuff. And I realized as much as like, oh, why isn't ESPN like that today? Well, one, because yes, they have problems with identity politics and being woke and being part of the Disney conglomerate. Yeah, they got a bunch of problems. But it's also that we don't need at 11 o'clock to know what happened in the sports world because we now just check on the internet. You, you can, you know, get, and then of course there's, you know, every single league has its own streaming package, its own subscription package, where you can see what happened for your team, even if you live far away. So there just isn't that need the same way there was for all of that. So it, this, there's a changing landscape. And I think the question for every news institution, uh, probably including ours is, all right, what do we do better than anybody else? And then what do we keep, what can we offer that nobody else can possibly get? What, what do we have that's irreplaceable? And I think as in the case of CNN Plus, they really didn't put nearly enough thought into that very big question. 
Maybe they don't have anything that's irreplaceable. That could be probably, the problem. probably. The problem too. Hey, don't you miss Chris Wallace? And it sounds like most people are like, eh, kind of, not really. Not no. enough to pay for it. <laughs> On that note, Sorry, Trip, Chris. <laughs> have a great day. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Uh, We also invite you to find us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us on Thursday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hey guys, it's Mock and Daisy from Chicks on the Right. We're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. From discussing topics like cancel culture, what's happening to our new generations, crises in our nation, and even some high-profile interviews, each week we touch on subjects that matter to us and matter to you. And we're not afraid to tell you how it is, so tune in every week to hear us talk about the things or even just get a good laugh. To find out more, go to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave Leave a comment, a review, and subscribe.